If you would, turn your Bibles to Mark, the 10th chapter. We're going to take our thoughts this morning from verses 17 through 22. Mark, chapter 10. We're certainly glad that you're here this morning. I hope that these words will edify you and build you up and cause you to have a closer walk with God. That's the purpose and the intents of our teaching is to help all of us in our journey toward heaven. I would like to add to the words of the card this morning that my wife and I were deeply touched by all of the comments that were made toward us in the uh, celebrating of our 50th wedding anniversary, all of the calls, uh, those who were able to come to the reception, and we thank you for all of these things from the bottom of our heart, and we love the congregation here, and we feel loved. Mark chapter 10, <clears throat> beginning in verse number 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? You know, that's probably the greatest question we'll ever ask ourselves in this life. What can I do to go and live in heaven with God and enjoy eternity? And this man was inquiring because he wanted to know. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. And he said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying. And he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. I think there's a number of lessons for us to learn from this this morning and apply to ourselves. There is power in the Word of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. This is a powerful uh, teaching that Jesus gives here. Very powerful. And it should touch our hearts. And it should affect us. And it should cause us to be motivated to do and not do certain things. As he talked about inherit eternal life. I believe he's talking about going to heaven. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were confessed that they were pilgrims on the earth. For they searched for that city whose builder and maker is God. Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Peter said it's an inheritance. It's for God's children. 
You know, most people believe that everybody's going to heaven, just, well, maybe there's one or two that won't make it. And that's not true. Jesus said, few there be that find it. And if we're not in God's family, we have none of the promises of God. Revelation 21, verse 4, John was permitted to look into the future and to see into heaven itself. And what did he see there? And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Isn't that what we long for? Isn't that what we desire like this young man did? Isn't it where we want to go? You know, the older you get, the more aches and pains you have. The more things on your body wears out, and you really realize this old body's not going to live forever. But we can go up to a place where we can live forever. There'll be no pain, no sorrow, and no death. And folks, that's what we want to do. And we need to keep that goal in mind as we live daily. This is where I want to go. I don't want to miss this. It's important. First of all, the young man called him good master. And Jesus, speaking of his humanity, said, no man is good. Why are you calling me good? I think there was a reason Jesus did that, because this young man had a very high opinion of himself, and he thought he was a good man. He really thought that about himself. And when he came to Jesus, he was expecting compliments and commendations and a pat on the back. That's what he was really expecting. And he ran to meet Jesus. And so Jesus said to him, when he asked what he needed to do, Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. If you went out in the community today, and if you found a guy that lived according to that, people would say, he's a good man, she's a good woman. And so, he's really confident. You know, at this point... I've got it made. This is a cakewalk. I've already done that. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Pardon me. The young ruler answered, Jesus, all these things have I observed from my youth. I've already done all of that. I mean, it's getting better, isn't it? And then Jesus says, one thing thou lackest. Don't you reckon that his face fell a little bit to hear those words? One thing thou lackest. 
Jesus said, Go thy way, and sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Go sell what you have, give to the poor, take up your cross, and follow me. The Bible says next that he was sad at that saying, and he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. He was sad at the words of Jesus. Why? Because there was one commandment that he wasn't even close to keeping. What are we going to do about that? He was grieved. He didn't want to hear it. It condemned him. That's not what he was expecting. He said, I've spent my whole life on all these others. Why is that such a big deal? This young man was very high on himself. He was very confident. He just really thought he was pretty great. And Jesus said, oh, really? Who told you that? Who told you that you were just special? Did God tell you that? And so as we look at that, Jesus said, lay out not for yourselves treasures upon earth where the moss and rust doth corrupt, and thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moss and rust do not corrupt, and thieves do not break through and steal. He said, Sir, you don't really realize where the treasure is, nor what the treasure is. And what Jesus said unto him Take up the cross and follow me. In Matthew 16, Jesus used those same words, except he said, Deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. He would not deny himself. He knew what he wanted. And he was not willing to give that up, nor to deny himself. Now let's think about a couple of other things here. We have a lot of teachers in this congregation, and I'm so thankful for that. And as I think about what's going to be behind me when I'm gone, I feel good about where the church is at. But guys, I want to tell you something. It's real easy to tell people about the good promises that God's given us. It's something else to tell them the conditions upon which they will receive these things. That's not what's going to always get you the pat on the back. That's not what's going to make people say good things about you. But if you're not going to do that, you shouldn't preach. 
Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. We're charged to do that as teachers, to tell it like it is. The whole counsel of God. One reason that the religious world today doesn't look anything like what we read about in the Bible is because they're not told the whole truth. They're just told about the good promises that God makes. How many of you would have said to this man, you need to go get rid of your riches? Would you have had the guts to do that? Really? And how many people in the congregation would have accepted those words graciously? You need to think about the pressure that's on these teachers when they say things. They're not always just trying to take a pot shot at somebody. But I'm just telling you, Jesus told him the truth. He told him what he needed to hear. This young man ran to see the Master, so confident of his relationship with God. He just knew what was waiting for him when he got there. But so sad when he was told the truth. He wasn't going to do it, and he knew that. In the very moment he heard it, he knew he was not going to do that. He came to the right person for this information. He came to the person that had already been in heaven, that had came down from heaven. The Son of God, the creator of the universe, the man who has the answers to all the questions, the man who gives eternal life. This is who he came to. He got a face-to-face -face with Jesus Christ himself. He came to the right source... And he thought he wanted the answer, but he didn't want the one that he got. And he went away sorrowful. Jesus has the key to the gates of heaven. Jesus has the key to death and of Hades. Jesus has all authority in heaven and in earth. But he didn't want this answer. He was given a choice. A choice to go to heaven or to hold on to his riches and go to hell. And he said, I'll just go to hell. That's what he said. Not in so many words, but by his actions. I'll just go to hell. I'm not giving up my riches. Now we need to make application not just to riches, folks, but What's more important to us in life than God Himself? Is there things that you would not give up to follow Jesus? And so it was a sad day to Him. Because now He knows where He stands with God. There's no doubt in His mind. And he's making his choice. This is the Word of God.
This is the book with all the answers. Do we really want them? Really? Are we afraid of the answers? Some people say, just don't talk to me about that. I get that a lot. People are afraid of the answers. That's why they don't want you to talk to them. Do we love the answers? Jesus told him the truth. John 17, 17, thy word is truth. He told him what was going to happen at the judgment and he could make proper preparation for the judgment and for eternity. Now I want you to stop and think about something here because people have a lot of opinions about this. Was Jesus wrong for telling him the truth? Was he? A lot of people say he would have been. Just leave him alone. Don't disturb his tranquility, whatever that is. Was Jesus uncaring for saying these words to this individual? Was he a person who didn't care? He just kind of like kicked people around, jab them, poke them in the eye. No, this young man wanted the answer to his question. And Jesus wanted to give him the correct answer, not the one he wanted to hear. And so when a spiritual advisor comes to you and says to you, I think you need to look at this area of your life, what's your attitude going to be? Well, I'm not going to quit what I'm doing. I guess I'll just have to go to hell. That's a bad, bad decision. That's a bad, bad attitude. Jesus, the Scripture says, loved him. There was a lot of things to love about this young man. My goodness! He kept five of the last six commandments. He had a lot of good stuff going on in his life because of the things that he did follow God in. But because of this other commandment, he had an overinflated value of himself. Since the commandment that Jesus left out was, Thou shalt not covet, he got the message without Jesus quoting the verse. He knew. He knew. Covetousness is an intense desire for what belongs to another or for that which is forbidden. Covetousness is putting something in your life between you and God. That's what covetousness is. Whatever, whatever we would put in there.
He saw himself as being a good man. He was deceived. Satan made him think that, and he really believed it. Covetousness is what leads people to commit the other command or to violate the other commandments. It's that desire to kill, it's that desire to steal, it's that desire to steal another man's wife, it's that desire to murder sometimes. That's what covetousness is. It's a desire. It's a wishing for. The commandment said not to desire your neighbor's wife, not to desire or covet your neighbor's house, his field, his servant, his maidservant, his ox, his ass, or anything that is thy neighbor's. What about anything that belongs to God, such as worship? such as a portion of our finances. Do we give gladly and cheerfully, as Paul said, or grudgingly? In Ephesians 5 and 5, he says, Let it not be once named among you as saints. You know, sometimes preachers want to take part of God's glory. And when people pat you on the back and people say complimentary things to you, it's tempting to do that. I can tell you, it's tempting. You can get to thinking you're just, you know, you're just something special, aren't you? And it's ruined some young preachers. I can tell you that. An old preacher helped me when I started. He said, Jade, Satan is going to put a lot of stumbling blocks in your way to try to stop you. And if he's not successful, he's going to get around behind you and he's going to pat you on the back and tell you you're special. They're both a pitfall. And we need to be aware of that. Someone says, look at what I did. Look at how many people I saved. Look at how many people liked that sermon. I, I, I. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, What hast thou that thou didst not receive? What have I got on my own? Nothing. God gave me life. God gave me breath. God gave me a brain. God gave me a tongue. God gave me His Word. What would I get up here and tell you today if it were not for this book? And so everything that I'm trying to tell you is what comes from this book because I know that it's good. I know it'll bless your life. My advice and think-sos are not going to help anybody. This book is what makes the difference in our lives.
I want to say to you this morning that all rich men are not covetous. Abraham wasn't a covetous man. He said to Lot, you go to the right, I'll go to the left. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. Job wasn't a covetous man. I don't think, and I don't like people, like I talk sometimes about these broad paintbrushes, painting everybody the same. God didn't do that. It's what we do with our wealth that determines whether it's good or bad. He was covetous. That means he got some of that either by stealing or taking advantage of people. That's what covetousness is. See? There's a lot of people that have wealth in this country that have not done those kinds of things. What is the greatest commandment in the law? To love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. And the second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two hang the law and the prophets. So we can narrow that down to two commandments. But if we put something between us and God, if you love anything so strongly, you'll forsake God for it. You worship it. And it has control of you. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up the cross. Folks, it takes sacrifice. That's what Jesus was on the cross. It takes sacrifice to serve God. Romans 12, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We don't do a lot of things that other people do. Why? Because God doesn't want us to. Jesus doesn't want us to. And we want to please them, and we want to go and live in heaven eternally, and that causes us to withhold ourselves of a lot of evil that's in this world. We don't love the world. We love the Father, and he that doeth the will of God will abide for other will pardon me, he that doeth the will of God will abide forever. Those who do not do the will of God will abide forever, but in a different place. Jesus taught in Luke 14 that if a man's going to build a tower, he needs to first sit down and count the cost and figure out whether he's got the finances to finish. You know, people start a lot of projects they never finish. They've wasted a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of finances for nothing. For nothing. And if we quit building and if we quit following, it was all for nothing. He that putteth his hand to the plow and looketh back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to you. We've got to keep the kingdom first, folks. It is the most important thing, more important than life itself. 
Jesus had to die. Stephen died for preaching. Some were cast into prison. Others gave up their lives. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. There's people dying around the world today because they will not deny Jesus when a man's holding a machete or a machine gun on them. How important is it to see God? Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a man seeking goodly pearls, who when he found this one pearl of great price, he went and sold everything that he had to buy that one pearl. He sold everything that he had. This man wasn't willing to do that. You know, the kingdom of heaven costs everybody the same thing. Somebody says, well, I don't have a lot of money. I guess I can't go to heaven. No, that's not true. It costs everybody the same thing to go to heaven. Well, what does it cost, preacher? All that you have. Whatever that is. You've got to put that second. And keep God first in your life. God gave His best. He gave His Son to shed His precious blood for you and I. And He doesn't expect anything less from you and I. You know, as we talk about some of these issues... Jesus said, He that loveth son or daughter, husband or wife, lands, houses, more than me, cannot be my disciple. Cannot be my disciple. That's a difficult saying, isn't it? That's a difficult saying. You know, in John 6, that some of those disciples went back and they walked no more with him. They said, his sayings are too hard. That's what this young ruler said. That's just too much. You're asking too much. I'm not going to do that. Are we like that? I hope not. I hope that our faith is strong. That we know who God is and we know who we are and we know where the mansion's at and we're not going to let anything stand in the way. These are hard and difficult questions, but I want to tell you that the choices that we make have eternal consequences. Eternal consequences. Whether or not you go eat out, that's not a big deal. Whether you buy a Ford or a Chevrolet, that's really not a big deal. It may be a pretty hard choice, but it doesn't have eternal consequences. These questions do. If you could talk to Jesus face to face, somebody, boy, where do we get in line? <laughs> I would really like to talk to that guy. What if he told you something that you love dearly and that could keep you from going to heaven, would you be willing to give it up?
Sometimes people get what they wish for. Would you really want to go talk to God's Son about going to heaven if you have something that you're not willing to give up and is more important to you than God is? I don't think you're going to want to talk to the Son of God if that's the case. Because I promise you, He would tell you the truth. Caringly, lovingly, but the cold, hard facts. Jesus said, I tell you nay, except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. If the rich young ruler never repented of his covetousness, where will he be after the judgment? Is there any doubt after our lesson this morning? What will we be doing after the judgment? Will we be praising Jesus? Or will we be cursing Jesus? You know, it's not Jesus' fault where people spend eternity. Because He's already told us what the judgment is going to be like. He's already told us what we're going to be judged by. We know what the standard is, and we know that anything less than the standard is not good. And so it's up to us. And I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm glad that God gave us this choice. And that other people didn't make my choice for me. You know, in some countries, they only have one religion, whatever the king's got. And you have to do what he says. In some families, you don't change religions, or you're going to be out of the family. I've known of young people who obeyed the gospel and their parents put their clothes out on the front porch and said, you're not welcome to come back. No one else makes our choice. God granted that we would make our own choice about where we spend eternity. Jesus said, whosoever will let him come. He didn't leave out anybody. It's our choice. And so I want to ask you this morning, what is your choice going to be? Have you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you been buried with Jesus in baptism and rose to walk a new life? You can. He didn't exclude anybody that would come. He extended the invitation, come. And you know, we either come or we retreat. But you can't do both. We have to make a choice. If you're here this morning and you've been making some poor choices, you're not going to get going the right direction until you repent of that. Repent means I change. I'm going in a different direction. I'm going to do things differently from this point on. If you, if 
you need to repent, I want to encourage you to do that this morning. I want you to uh, make it known before your brothers and sisters in Christ that you want to go in a different direction and let them support you and let them comfort you and let them help you. If you've been making the wrong choices, Jesus can wipe out the past. You don't have to worry about that anymore. You can lay down on your pillow tonight, and you can say, the blood of Jesus took all that away. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. I can't change it. I'm just going to accept His forgiveness, and I'm going to go forth. And I'm going to have a clear conscience, and I'm going to have a pure life, and I'm going to be at peace with myself, and I'm going to be at peace with my God. And if anybody else has a problem with that, it's their problem. Because I'm going to do what Jesus said to do. That's the right choice. If you have a need in your life, would you come as we stand and sing?